And what I think we all wanted to do in this is just experience a little, an hour and a half of a woman just taking yes. and that being all right. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to the 120th episode of Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and I am delighted to bring you our latest live episode with an audience, which last weekend kicked off the Sundance London Film Festival 2022. We were the opening event held at Picture House Central, and we were so delighted to host an amazing lineup of guests to talk about the film Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which premiered at the fest. I talked to the two stars of the film, the brilliant Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormack, only our sixth ever male guest on Girls on Film, as well as to writer Katie Brand and director Sophie Hyde. So I've made a list of things that I'd like to get through. Oh, I think we'll certainly make a significant dent in it. Good. That's good. Good. You want to start with the blowjob? For 31 years, my husband would climb on top, do the business, roll off, put his pyjamas on and go back to sleep. I've never had an orgasm. And yes, in fact, if we do this, you will only be the second man I have ever had sex with. Oh, God. Now, Nancy. This is crazy. Nancy. It's terrible. It's wrong. Nancy. Yes? Let's go to bed. Okay. Great stuff. We're going to have the director on stage soon, along with the co-star. But first, let's meet writer Katie Brand and star Emma Thompson. Congratulations on the film. I mean, as we saw from the trailer, I've seen it twice. Um, I mean, what a refreshing film about female sexuality. Uh, so many things for girls on film that for us, we celebrate seeing women of a certain age on camera being themselves, being professional, talking about their sex lives. Um, let me start with you, Katie. Talk to me about the genesis of the project. So it was, it was an idea that I had, just the kernel of the idea several years ago, and a woman waiting in a hotel room, um, having booked this young man for the night, and she's nervous and looking at herself in the mirror and just wondering what on earth she's done, but she's done it and he's coming. Um, and then there's a knock at the door and it opens and then they start talking to each other and then we begin. So that was an idea that I had for a long time. Um, so I wrote this sort of, banged out this draft. It was a bit, little bit short and a little bit odd and the ending wasn't quite right. But the first two thirds, I thought, oh, there's something there. That's I like that. I like the way they talk to each other. I like the way they make each other laugh. I like the way they're interested in each other, the way they have a connection. And I just liked hearing Leo and Nancy talk. And the more I typed, the more I could hear them talk and I was told a producer Debbie Gray was looking for things that they could possibly shoot she said to me who did you have in mind for Nancy and I said well I wrote it for Emma Thompson but that seems wildly presumptuous <laughs> she came back very quickly and said yes yes let's try and do this then we were making a film 
not just a script, you know, because obviously together everybody made something much better than the script. If you don't make the film with everyone else, it's just a weirdly laid out book. Because I was going to ask Emma, you know, was it a no brainer for you when you read it? Did you really think yes or was there any moment of hesitation? Oh, no, not at all. I read it and thought, well, this crosses every boundary known to woman. I've never read anything like this before. I've never seen a woman like this on screen. But also the situation was just so blissfully original. And this was it. This was one. So, I mean, it was absolutely... Katie, right, we've got to do it. Let's do it next week. What's the oldest person you've ever done it with? 82. 82? Yeah. 82? Nancy. OK, I'm feeling a bit better now. <laughs> I've been very bad today, miss. You might have to keep me behind after class. Okay, stop it. No, I know, miss. But no, we no, could no, just. Safe word, safe word. We don't have a safe word. What about you, the real you? I'm whatever you want me to be. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Dreamer. I've never done anything interesting or remarkable in my life. Dreamer. This is it. I see my friends shriveling up over the years. Dreamer. Sorry. Nancy, everyone needs something different. I don't judge my clients. Unless they're total assholes. And it was a few months later, I think. Yes, it wasn't that much later. I mean, there was was times initially where it was like, let's just make this right now, even though it's short, and people were getting involved and saying, like, let's just do it, we can put it out, it doesn't matter if it's too short. And it was worth taking that extra time, I think, wasn't it, to get the whole thing right. And now I'm just so glad that we sort of waited and worked on it some more. Um, but yeah, it, it was quick though for film, even with all that, wasn't it? It was just a few months later. Yeah. And you, you mentioned it was quick. I mean, did you do any specific preparation? I would imagine just being a woman is pretty good preparation for this film because it, yeah, as you say, it touches on so many things that covered. need showing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, not being able to do what you want, not having freedom. Um, yeah, so sort of it's pretty common experience I would have thought and I know a lot of teachers so your character is a teacher which you haven't covered before yes yes so what did you bring from your knowledge of teachers to this character <laughs> well I know we laugh but actually she's a methodical person you know she you know that she's the kind of teacher who always did her marking before her glass of wine but she's so interesting what she says at the end she says you're the only freedom I've ever had and, 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 but she, she doesn't say it sadly, and she's a perfectly ordinary woman. And what I loved about what Katie had created was she wasn't a caricature of a woman who hasn't had an orgasm. She wasn't stupidly repressed. She, she was quite opinionated, yeah. a little bit bigoted sometimes, quite stupid sometimes, but also... Um, she had perspicacity and intelligence and and purpose, and she was a complicated, fully realised woman. And that is very rare on film. Because also, she isn't entirely what, you know, my cliché terms call likeable. You know, there are bigoted moments that I thought, ooh, kind of riled me, and yes, I didn't agree with her politics or whatever, but she's still a brilliant character, mm. you know, and she's just real, you know? I think one of the things I felt was that if it was funny... You know, or if at least I was always keeping that in mind. And not just funny to the audience. Like, I never wanted Nancy to be the butt of the joke. I wanted Leo and Nancy to find each other funny. And they could be funny to each other and tease each other and laugh. But then also we could laugh along with them if they were being a bit ridiculous. Oh, some, some sort of sex saint. Are you real? I have felt more alive in this last month than I can ever remember. You're the only adventure I've ever had. Oh, shit. 
Oh, oh God. Well, what am I going to say, hello? Sorry, I can't talk now because I've booked this man for the night and I'm trying to perform horse sex on him. I just don't have to say that. Because women are fully rounded human beings, you know, with every facet of humanity. And so we don't just have to be mums and sisters in films or girlfriends or annoying wives that can get off your PlayStation. When are we going to have a baby? You know, all of those. <laughs> I think, you know, when you start to write from yourself how you sound, I sound like Nancy in my own head sometimes. And so that was really important, I think, to find that in her, that, that she didn't have to be lovely and soft and kind and likeable all the time. As long as she, if she was funny though, and through Leo's eyes, that she was likeable, then, then we would be on her side, I think. Talking of inspirations, Katie, I know that you, like me, are a big fan of a certain film called Dirty Dancing. Um, in a way, was this an inspiration for Leo grand because you've got a very sensitive man kind of listening and helping a woman discover a side of her sexuality yes definitely and I think there's a definite golden thread from Dirty Dancing my obsession with Dirty Dancing that led me to watch it 300 times <laughs> and every day for three months until my dad confiscated the VHS and hid it which I then found by stealth and continued to watch it when he was at work and then hid it back again but one of the things I loved about Dirty Dancing and that I have found in analysing it was first of all the sexual relationship between Baby and Johnny and Baby losing her virginity to him or we don't have to say losing just giving you know but it doesn't have to be awful that was the thing I think I remember thinking about Dirty Dancing sex can be really nice and good and they had built up a trust and a relationship together through working and talking together that is then realized in us in their first sex scene which is a very very famous and very hot sex scene dance with me we're here And the other thing I think that I've taken from that film was the dance scene, which, again, in that film, that seduction happens um, as a result of them dancing together very intimately. And so Sophie and I talked a lot about, like, how can we make them a bit more nonverbal because I'm constantly verbalising. Um, so, yeah, Dirty Dancing, I think, has been quite a big impact. It's also, she initiates the sex, baby. She goes and knocks on the door and again that's quite unusual probably part of me and Nancy wanted Nancy to initiate the encounter because I find that quite an interesting sort of aspect of the story and I wanted to ask you a little bit more in detail about Katie's comedy writing because you are absolutely perfect delivery with this what do you like about the writing in particular the very fine line that it treads uh, that is to say the human line in writing in film is so often very formulaic and even if it's good, some of the characters, you've seen them before, you've heard them, and everyone sounds the same. It's quite unusual to have complex characters that you can understand, that you can like and you can recognise. And now, you know, I, I, my friend, Lindsay Duran, who produced Sense and Sensibility and lots of wonderful films, including Spinal Tap, dear God. And she works with a lot of writers. And what she's finding now is that there's these rules that are coming through. Like, women now aren't allowed to cry. Only men can cry. Uh, women all have to be fierce, badass, kick-ass. You know, they can't be sort of women anymore. They've, or they've just got to do what the men do. What's so clever about her writing is that is that we feel all sorts of things as we come through. And I think at the end, I feel released and comforted and all right about being complicated and human. That's a great and extraordinary achievement. So I've made a list of things that I'd like to get through. Oh, that sounds sexy. <laughs> Don't mock me. I'm a teacher. 
Old habits die hard. What's first on the list? <clears throat> Number one, uh, I perform oral sex on you. Number two, you perform oral sex on me. Number three, we do a 69, if that's what it's still called. Uh, I don't know. Um, four, me on top. Five, doggy style. Well, that all sounds very achievable. Oh, does it? Oh, good. Good, because I, I, I have no frame of reference. I've tried um, looking on the internet, but it's alarming, frankly. I mean, if you type in classy porn to Google, up pop 12 windows of erections. I mean, there's no build-up at all. Have I booked enough time? You, you want to do it all today? Yes, if possible. Did you actually type in classy porn? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I just found it funny, the idea that Nancy would write classy porn into Google. <laughs> and let's bring on the other two absolutely vital people from the film. The first one is director Sophie Hyde, who last joined us to talk about her film Animals at our Sundance London special in June 2019 in episode 13. Sophie, please join us. Thank you. Hello. Welcome back to Girls on Film. It's lovely to have you back. Thank you. Nice to be back. Our second guest is an exception to our general rule on the female-focused girls on film. Yes, it's a rare male guest. Please welcome star Daryl McCormack. Thank you for joining us. Congratulations to you both. As everyone's seen their fantastic work all round. Um, yeah, and Daryl, thanks for being our only sixth man on Girls on Film. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We only invite the best. I'm very pretty. <laughs> the best. I, thank you. Sophie, let's start with you. Your last film, Animals, looked at coming of age of younger women, in a way, um, and sort of exploring themselves and kind of figuring out where they were in the world. Why were you keen to tackle a woman of a different generation? Look, I, I never think about that age. I never think about Nancy's age. Yeah. Um, people ask me that, and I think, oh, I just thought about the, these two humans, and I, I just wanted to see that. I feel like there's something, you know, there's so many characters that we haven't seen on screen. There's so many faces, so many bodies, so many people. And um, you're always looking for something that just captivates you in some way. And um, I just got sent this email that was like, um, there's this going to be this movie. It's an older woman. She hires a sex worker to have good sex for the first time in her life. And the woman is Emma Thompson. And I just thought, well, one, the idea, cool. Two, Emma cool, but together I just thought that is brilliant. It was never about age. Was there anything from a feminist perspective that stood out for you in the script and that you worked on with the cast to kind of enhance more in the film? I think that having made films is something that's really apparent to me, which is that those of us that were raised as women in the world find it very hard to even know what we want and certainly to ask for it is very difficult. You know, Emma was talking about the rules of filmmaking, the rules of scripting, and there's a kind of hero's journey, which is the sort of, you know, the character has a very strong want. And I've always really struggled with it, with stories about women, because I'm like, I've never felt that. You know, it's something that I think seeing more women on screen means that we get to see this kind of expansive idea of womanhood, or in fact, of being a human. I think I understand being a white middle-aged man really, really well from the art that I engaged with as a teenager, as a young adult. I like, I know that deep in my soul, but I never knew really the experience of being a woman until I went through it. Let's turn to Daryl. What appealed to you about the script for this and, and how did it depart from the other work you've done? 
I was kind of really intrigued by the intimacy of the film. I thought it was a beautiful portrayal of two individuals and just the kind of singularity of the simplicity of the film, it being set in one place, there being a kind of goal in a sense, um, and just seeing that simplicity just bloomed into so much capacity for growth for both of them. Um, obviously, the challenge, you know, for me, relatively new in my career to hold a film with someone like Emma was daunting but there was just something in Leo and seeing a young man presented that way that I haven't seen before on screen and I thought it was so yeah, inspiring and and that was the main draw for me to kind of just remain confident in telling the story. Emma, would you like to comment about working with Daryl? Because you guys are so terrific together on screen. You know, we were incredibly lucky. We were very lucky to find Daryl. It was just Daryl's uh, profound thoughtfulness um, and his access to who Leo was. I mean, he made Leo immediately recognisable to me as a, as a person that I could see and understand. I think his generation, actually... Um, has access to that way of thinking about pleasure. Generationally, the relationship between all humans and pleasure has been changing incrementally. So we, we, were, we feel very lucky. Any particular moments, Sophie, as a director, um, when you were working with these two and you thought, oh, that is just a moment, this is a fantastic scene? I remember the first time we saw Daryl's tape and we talked about it. Daryl brought a whole lot of layers that were things that we were looking for in Leo, but also more, I thought. I felt suddenly excited and I felt like the character expanded out a great deal. So walking into the rehearsal room, we'd already been doing a little bit of work together, but we walked in there and, and both of these guys just sort of embraced the, the material and the process with a gusto that was really exciting for me. You know what I love most about them both? I love that they say when they feel uncomfortable or awkward or those sort of things. So for me, it was like I never felt doubt around that. I always felt like they're going to tell me if something feels weird or they're going to tell me if they have questions. That gave me a great deal of freedom because I wasn't second-guessing all the time. I was always feeling um, like we were a team doing it together. And by the time we stepped onto set, I felt like the three of us knew what we were doing. But um, oddly enough, I don't think either of us could have played this, these, uh, these parts five years ago. So even though I'm so old, I couldn't have played it. <laughs> You're not old. <laughs> I, I am old and I accept that. It's fine. It's good. It's great because it gives me something that other people don't have. <laughs> that is young people. So, um, But what I'm saying is that it's not about, you know, a, an experienced warhorse sort of somehow meeting with if it, this is something I couldn't have done five years ago so what's interesting about writing and film is there's something kind of magical about the way in which parts and projects and stories find the right people it's quite mysterious in a way and and so it hit Daz right in his chest and me right in my chest but at the right moment in our lives and the age thing is immaterial Sophie, is it true that you agreed to sort of, or you offered to get naked along with your cast in preparation for their nude scenes? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, when I, I, when I was young, I thought when I was a, like at university as a filmmaker, I thought if I'm ever going to ask someone to get naked, I'm going to get naked too. And I thought, well, how cool is that? And then as I went, moved on, I thought, no fucking way. No, I'm never going to get naked. <laughs> like, like, as if. And also like, that's their job. Like my job's really different. Um, 
but we were doing this and, and Emma and Daryl both were really clear, like we would like to get naked before we're on set. We don't want that thing where you get on set and you take your clothes off and that's the first time and you feel awkward and weird, you know. I knew that in the rehearsal room we, were, we needed to lead to that and, and make that a kind of comfortable experience. Um, and then Emma made a joke. <laughs> Do you remember? Emma joked, because of course you're going to as well, like that. And I was like, <laughs> no. Um, and then was like, of course not. No, you don't need to. No, no, no. And I just went home and I was like, oh, I feel like that was a real challenge. Like, I'm sure it wasn't. But I felt like, well, I'm asking. So I'm asking this of them and we're in a really safe, comfortable rehearsal room. And the way that we would we did it wasn't like, um, dinner, dinner. <laughs> you know, um, it was like, I'm going to take off this sock and tell you about the time that I broke my toe. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to show you this scar here or, or this part that I love about me or that's really soft. It was kind of like, let's introduce our bodies to each other, not for how they look actually, which was a big part of the film, but for what they've done or what they've been for us. You know, I mean, mostly we were just like, <laughs> like, where are we? Getting my clothes off in, t in front of two superstars. Mm -mm. Um, but these two were just so comfortable straight away and, and there was a kind of, it broke down a whole lot of things. And it also led to this other thing that I think is really important, which is very often on a film set, there's an idea that, you know, everyone sets everything up. There's going to be a nude scene. It's a closed set. Actors come in, they're wrapped in these dressing gowns or whatever. They come in like, lay down, lay down, get the writing right, uh, the lighting right. Okay, everyone, everyone ready to go? Quick, drop your robe. And, um, and it's like, well, aren't we just again saying that our bodies are shameful? Aren't we just again like saying that these are things that we should be hiding? And I think Emma led it, but all of us had a really strong feeling that no, these guys should walk onto the set, take their clothes off when they wanted to if we were doing naked scenes, feel like they owned the set and the crew can kind of come in and work around them. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. And in fact, that totally transformed our set, I think, and the film. And then it is the core kind of idea that the film kind of presents at the end, I think. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people here haven't seen the film yet. Oh, sorry, but, but no, no, it's fine. It's not, I don't think it's a spoiler, but yeah, I, I, hats off to you for the ending, all of you. Mm -hmm. um, you'll know when you see it, people, but it's a moment, I think, that celebrates very much the spirit of what we've all been talking about and something mm -hmm. very important. Um, I wanted to ask either Sophie or Daryl or both um, what kind of research you did into sex workers um, because I think it's really interesting and, and I'm also interested to ask if you think male sex workers can play a useful role in helping women explore their sexuality as we see in this film. Yeah, we were fortunate enough to speak to sex workers that myself as an actor never felt the responsibility to represent sex work as an entirety because the, the amazing thing about it is it's so individual because each person, each sex worker is individual. Sexuality is individual. It's unique. It's, it's totally different to each and every one of us. So I think it was just important that we met people that kind of aligned with the spirit of who Leo was. And my main wish was to just carry some of their spirit into the film. So it just felt like they were supporting me in a way. I don't think they know that, but they were, you know. You don't have to worry, Nancy. This is just about us tonight. So what is your fantasy? Um, I'm not sure you could really class it as a fantasy as such. It's a bit mundane for that. Okay, well, what would you most desire? I mean, desires are never mundane. 
um, to have sex tonight um, with you. That's about it, really, for the moment. Great. So that's a brilliant scene, but there was another scene um, where Nancy kind of looks at Leo um, and sort of, I suppose you could say in a way it's the female gaze. It's um, something that we don't see very often in cinema. Normally naked bodies are shown from the male gaze, famously. Um, but it's very interesting to see the female protagonist doing that herself and taking pleasure in that moment. And I found that very refreshing. Would anyone like to comment on that scene? I think from writing that scene, I really wanted something not to objectify the actor. And I think we talked early on, one of the absolute red lines was we do not objectify the actor in any way. That doesn't mean we cannot look or admire as part of the character. And I just felt that part of Nancy's journey and something that she talks about in the film is that she really feels she's missed out on her youthful sexual development, having had... Um, a sort of almost encounter with someone that stayed in her mind forever and then perhaps married a man that's the first man she had sex with. It was not a satisfactory encounter and yet they married, which I think happens quite a lot or used to. I think there was an element that we wanted to capture in the film and that I wanted to write in the film of Nancy just reliving a moment of her youth and Leo allowing her to do that in the generosity of his profession and the alter ego that is Leo Grand. And so when she says, can I touch you here? Can I touch touch you here can I touch you here and he says yes and yes and it's a very gentle and generous moment from him to sort of allow Nancy to have to capture what she could have so wanted and so I think obviously these guys took it and just made it much better and brilliant but that was I think the, the origin of the idea of that particular scene. I'm always thinking about in a film like this how you get across the way something feels rather than just the way it looks. And um, there were moments where it was like, how do, how do we look at this scene and present it in the way in which there, there is a complexity where even when Nancy asks for it, what is Leo thinking? Is he feeling that? Potentially. But as it happens, you go into like what Nancy feels and, you, and the feeling of somebody and what it is to look at somebody. And Leo really enjoys it. There's a moment where he sees what's happening for, for Nancy too. So... I feel like I'm with both characters in that scene. It's not from one point of view. It's with both of them realising what's happening and appreciating the beauty of somebody else's body, the beauty of who they are and the feelings that come up and arise in yourself that are nothing to do with somebody being just good-looking or at a distance, um, hot or whatever. I also think we've got to remember that every time, pretty much every time, certainly a woman looks in the mirror, and I do speak for an awful lot of women, I know, they objectify themselves. I know I do it. I look at myself and I make myself into a, an unpleasant object that I find it very hard to accept. And I know that most women I know do that, that women acknowledge a kind of true kind of hatred of their bodies, um, which is something that's been bred into us for, I mean, it's these neural pathways are carved very, very early on, which is why you're hearing about all these eight-year-olds worried about putting on being fat. So we've got to look at that because it leads to serious and, and often fatal mental illnesses. It's also a waste of our time, our energy, our money, our passion and our purpose. I, I would just like to add, because it's on my mind because we've just done some interviews today with various press and I did one chat with a, a Swiss journalist, a lady, and she asked me a question that I hadn't really thought of, uh, that was, 
She talked about, don't you think that in a way, when Nancy is somehow, in some respects, objectifying Leo in terms of how and why she's chosen him and so on, is this not a kind of counterbalance to the way that Nancy had to allow herself to be objectified by her own husband for their whole marriage, that she performed in bed in the way that he wanted her to, or at least never made a fuss about it? And she said, was that intentional? And I had to say, no, you've just come up with that. <laughs> I have to give credit where it's due. But I mean, it's sort of in there and it's sort of in all the filmmaking and everything about it. But I thought, yes, that is an interesting point that the idea that not all marriages are like this, of course, but in the marriage that Nancy describes, there is an element of that. Do, would you agree that Nancy has been the wife her husband wanted her to be or at least didn't make yeah. any trouble yeah know? i think you know we're, we're very much encouraged not to ever give the bloke or uh, the sense that somehow he's not doing really well <laughs> and is marvelous at it and that involves a kind of performative aspect you know i mean i talk to women about this all the time and young women and they say oh no i'd never say I'd never say if it's, it does get a bit dull sometimes, doesn't it? You think, is this going to do permanent damage? I like that one of those things I liked in the film, in this, the scene of um, we wrote in about um, Nancy kind of nearly falling asleep while Leo um, goes, you know, <laughs> what's the word, pleasures her orally. And I just thought, you know, I did know someone who actually fell asleep <laughs> while the guy was doing it because it was nice and they were very relaxed and enjoying it, not even because it was boring, but you did that. That was a conversation afterwards, wasn't it? Whereas in this scenario, again, I think what's interesting about exploring the, fem the woman's sexuality and desires through this encounter is that some of that is lifted because... You're, you know, Leo is a professional yeah. and there to try and help and absorb some of this and not be offended and sulk all evening if you fall asleep. And, and you can talk <laughs> about that and unpack it, you know. What I, and, and so that was quite freeing, I think. And I think sometimes women should be encouraged to have more um, one night stands if they want to or casual sex or whatever, you know, and, I, and, and just enjoy it and not feel constantly beholden emotionally not only to the man but also or the woman or whoever but to themselves you don't have to be selfish or an asshole about it he's not a total asshole you're allowed to take sometimes yeah. i think i think that's the thing there's a lot of cultural pressure for women to give all the time and make everything all right for everyone else and make the world a pleasant experience for other people and what i think we all wanted to do in this is just experience a little, an hour and a half of a woman just taking yes. and that being all right you know and and you know I think the generosity of Leo the character and Daryl's performance and the way Sophie's directed it and the way it was interacted I hope has just allowed us to do that in an accessible and funny and humorous way but still to have the space to explore that idea that you can you can take sometimes it's okay. <laughs> but isn't it telling that M, that, that Nancy still is like, am I okay? I, I, do you like me? Even though she's paying for the experience. Like, literally, it's transactional. She's still like, um, but, oh, is it gross for you? Somebody, some people say, like, um, what would it be like if they reversed? You know, would you like this film if it was a man that was older and a woman that was younger? Do you know, wouldn't you find that off-putting? It's like, actually, if you did exactly the same film, where a man had not had an orgasm, yeah. he was a teacher, he, he had never had an orgasm and a woman came in and worked with him and was so open and generous and, and revealed things about their own life to a point, to a degree. 
I'd love to watch that, but there is no way we would see that in that context. Mm. I'd like to write that. I mean, a few people Let's have said it. that to me. Do you know. it. It's a sequel. No, well, look, yeah. people have said that to me. Oh, you couldn't reverse this, could you? And I was thinking, <laughs> why not? Absolutely. Like, you, why not? You yeah. could write an absolutely beautiful film with it the other way around. A lot of it hinges on casting. You know, people sort of nod and go, oh, you couldn't do this. And I think I know the kind of people you've got in mind to play the man. Mm. But now think of it as Mark Rylance. And now we're in a different place, aren't yeah. we? In terms of the casting, the sensitivity, the introspection, the intelligence of the performance. Which brings me to a question sort of related. Um, I'd love to ask you, well, what are your favourite other films that do something bold when it comes to female sexuality? You can choose one of your own projects if you wish. Uh, straight away came to mind Secretary. There's something about you. Do you ever loosen up? Now. It's not about, it's sort of what Em was talking about. It's not like, okay, we have to be powerful in the bedroom as well. It's, it, sexuality is so varied, so fluid, so changeable and unique um, that actually it's, it's any time that I see something I'm like, oh, that was very particular, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm really happy to see shows like Sex Education, you know, where there are young people who have really bad, clumsy, weird, funny, strange, joyful, euphoric sex. That's exciting to me. I, I, I love that we see things like that and material where it's not just one way. This is a new frontier, my sexually repressed friend. Our chance to finally move up the social food chain. I'm worried about you, man. Everybody's either thinking about shagging, about to shag, or actually shagging. Daryl, is there anything that springs to your mind? Um, Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham is really amazing feat. And particularly just him being a man, being able to really bring this young girl's exploration into who she is and as she exposes herself to students and, and her trying to just navigate her own, you know, first steps into sexuality. Hey guys, uh, it's Kayla back with another video. Okay, um, the topic of today's video is being yourself. And it's like, you know, well, aren't I always being myself? I thought he just did a beautiful portrayal and like felt so real, so authentic. And I just wanted to really champion that young woman as she was like, it was just amazing. So touching just to see him really take a window into this young girl's life, an incredible achievement on the basis that he, you know, grew up being a man. So that just springs to mind for sure. Yeah, it's a great choice. When we interviewed him, he said that, you know, he does a lot of stand up and about being feeling quite vulnerable and exposed. And a lot of young girls, teenage girls were coming up to him saying, I know how you feel. Mm. Katie, you had one, I think. No, I'm just going to back-reference Dirty Dancing again because Excellent. it's the only film I've ever seen. <laughs> um, but no, I think I'll just briefly, yes, just say that, that I think it is a remarkable scene that she goes and initiates the sex at the age of 17 and that she knows what she wants and she's very bold and she, she's been expressly told by her father to go home and go to bed. And she gets back out of bed, runs out in the middle of the night and she knows what she wants when she turns up and she knocks on the door. And to see her initiating that at that age and then having a fabulous experience I'm, you know obviously it's a fantasy to some extent but I think that does something to teenage girls brains at a formative moment just to say it doesn't have to be awful totally agree I feel a Dirty Dancing special coming on I know who I'm inviting on always <laughs> excellent <laughs> <laughs> well talking about teenage my experiences as a teenager so I've got two one is Madeleine Kahn having sex with Frankenstein's monster in Young Frankenstein oh you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys 
to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. Hilarious, but also actually really sexy. And really then hot. She just lies there and goes, oh God, I think I love him. It's terribly, terribly funny. And there was something about it being funny that really oh, appealed to me. On that and level, Morticia and Gomez Adams, I always thought. Must okay, very, very, life. very good. And she at one point just says, Gomez, I'm going to have a baby right now. <laughs> and then they just go, I mean, what a sexy couple. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, and my other one is Rene Russo and Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon 4 or whatever it was because they get incredibly enthusiastic about showing each other their scars because she says, you know, yeah, yeah, you're just fussing. He's, she's stitched him up till he finally does something you rarely see a bloke do in one of those movies is he pulls his trousers down but round his ankles, which is sort of not, you know, it's not sexy. Um, uh, but it, it works so well because they've both been very badly hurt with various knives, bullets, etc. And it was, I thought it was great. At the time, I found it very um, compelling. Be gentle with me, will you? Oh, I see this is some virgin territory. What is this, a knife? Uh, oh, it's an axe. Some guy mistook my head for a log. Yeah, that's a natural mistake. What are you saying? I got a wooden head? Yeah. Look at that. It's a knife. A knife? Oh, that's very nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, this is all right. Oh, that's the pavement dragged oh. in Crenshaw. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Hey, that's great. Good texture. Look at this. Yeah. Same damn thing. Third and Highland. Dragged for about half a block, I'll tell you what. Feel that texture. Feel it. Cheese grater time. I'm going to need to rewatch that, and I it's love how cool. unexpected that answer was. Thank you. I think we've got some questions from the audience. I haven't watched this film yet, but I already feel, just from watching the trailer, like there was such a profound moment of seeing a woman look in a mirror... And look at herself and take a beat to do that. It made me cry because it was really honest. And that, simply that is something that we don't see enough of, is that truthful moment of how we reflect on ourselves. And you said something so profound and kind of game-changing for me, I'm going to be honest, when you said, why is it so difficult to clarify the I want when you're writing women? because we don't know. And I thought, oh yeah, that's why it's so hard, because we're always being asked to identify a kind of super objective mm -hmm. for women, but we're not taught to have one. And we've learned that from watching films about men and learning script development from a bunch of guys who made all those films. It, it just blew my mind. So, you know, thank you. It's made me so excited about watching this film. For years I was writing or feeling like I was writing characters and people would be like, I just don't really get it. Like, it, she feels very conflicted. It's like, yeah, she is very conflicted. And the idea of competing desires, they truly are in competition with each other. Or the idea that a character might feel some disappointment about being a mother and yet enjoy being a mother at the same time. All of these things. Right. You know, Katie talked about a whole human person. Mm. You know, I feel like we were... We were asked as, as young filmmakers to, to reject that and to try and create these characters that were more simple. And I, I could never tap into that. I've mm. always felt like I was being asked questions that didn't make sense to me. Mm. And yet it's a note that's given all the time is to say, can you be clear about what kind of woman this is? I don't understand who she is. And I think I look at every single real person I've ever met. I couldn't identify any of them as yeah. a certain kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, but it really struck me uh, what you said, Emma, when you said uh, that you couldn't have made the film five years ago uh, from your perspective, from an actor's point of view. But I wonder whether 
you feel that this film could have been made five years ago or whether there's something about the present moment. Um, it feels so relevant and so resonant now in terms of us being allowed for the first time really to look at sexuality in such a, an open way. Do you think this film could have, could have been made before? I think it would have landed very, very differently five years ago, don't you? I think the, the landscape's changed and the conversation's changed a lot. And noticeably, doing the press, actually, the level of conversation around it has been really excellent. I mean, really um, encouraging. You know, I, I, I can imagine making this 20 years ago and there'd been a lot more snickering and... Um, a kind of puerile reaction and a bit of, you know, well, actually, interestingly, uh, I was up this morning listening on Radio 4, the two, two guys were talking on Radio 4 Today programme and saying that we were going to talk about the movie in Woman's Hour and that it was going to be about the female orgasm and etc. And they were laughing and saying, oh, <laughs> what's happening to the BBC? Its uh, our standards are falling. <laughs> and I thought, okay, let's introduce the idea that it, it might be important to have a serious discussion about this. That Laughing about it in that way just revealed that we don't respect sex. We don't respect our desires in that regard. We think that they're somehow... I mean, that's obviously cultural and it's to do with religion and Christianity, etc. But it has led to a cultural lack of respect for this pleasure. And when you think about other pleasures in our lives to which we will devote ourselves with extraordinary assiduity... I mean, food. We're obsessed with food. And I sometimes think it's a sort of sublimated incapacity to really just have a little bit more sex which would be better for us, is freer and doesn't make you fat. <laughs> In the past five years, the streaming platforms have been able to release extremely specific data about who is watching what and when and what is popular and who it's popular with. And several uh, producers have started to note this and now more and more and more. And particularly Reese Witherspoon, for example, who now has just sold her production company for a billion dollars. You know, she's one of the, actually one of America's biggest producers of films and TV now. And she said in an interview, you know, that was a real moment for me when I started to understand that the gatekeepers of cinema who have been traditionally white men constantly told us all for years and years and years my whole career that people will switch off if the protagonist is not mostly white and male as in you know it's a risk to make a film where the lead isn't that and that even women switch it off they love to tell us this they love to tell us this in comedy or the, the, nobody like not even the women like the women being funny you know it's been a constant constant thing that became a rule somehow and what the streaming data has shown for the first time is that it's absolute nonsense and it does an absolute disservice to all of you to all of the audience men women everybody who really would like to see a wide diversity of stories and as long as they're well made entertaining tight made by talented good people you know that you can engage with any story that has really changed I think quite rapidly the kind of funding that's available for work um, in TV and film. I mean, Lupin, you know, you look at that. That was led, it's a French language TV series on Netflix led by a brilliant black French actor. And it was the top Netflix 
show for a while globally. I mean, that just makes an absolute nonsense of the idea that everything has to be led by Robert De Niro in a film called Things Ain't What They Used To Be or whatever. <laughs> you know, in order to be commercial. I love Robert De Niro. You know, I mean, I've, it doesn't just have to be that all the time to get a commercial audience. And But that data has opened up funding for this story and other stories like it, starring more people like Daryl and um, um, Emma. And I'm just really... And, and more writing for me more directing for Sophie you know we're, we're we're in the game now properly and we've got the data to back it up and all of you all of our audiences are with us on it and you know so they can grumble around the edges if they want but it's too late <laughs> it's happening well said again do you find that you're kind of making a statement with this film about exploring that fact that people and heterosexual people are allowed to have sex and it's not a problem it reminds you of kind of like a modern version of Belle de Jour or something. Do you feel like you're kind of making a statement that hopefully other people will kind of use as a springboard to continue to start making films that adult people would want to watch without being judged for by just talking about the fact that people enjoy having sex? And it's an interesting question. I was just trying to consider it. I don't know if that there's ever been a moment where in film history we haven't thought it was okay for heterosexual people to have sex. I think heterosexual people are having sex all over the movies. I mean, oftentimes just in a very particular way that's like the, the camera is on it to kind of, you know, look a certain way and be a bit hot in a very, very, very constricted kind of narrow way. Um, there is something very queer actually about the movie, which is that people might have their own ideas about sex. They might have the things they want to do. You know, like... Uh, they might, um, and that they might ask each other what those things are and explore those things, not necessarily always verbally, but kind of try and, and find and seek out something. And one of the great lies of heterosexuality or heterosexual culture is that we all want the same thing. Mm. I mean, how ridiculous. Um, and particularly for women, that has just been terrible, I think. Um, it's like, oh, what? I could you know, explore this. I could, I could not like something. How fantastic, you know. As Em said, like, cinema is a great pleasure. And, and when we were making the film, it always, we always wanted it to be pleasurable. Every moment, even if, if it's awkward and, you know, uncomfortable or whatever, it should feel like we're watching it, you know, with joy. That's a great answer. Thank you, Sophie. I love that. Before I fully thank my guests, I'd like to thank the Sundance London Film Festival and Picturehouse Central for having us and all the lovely people who work here. Thanks for all being fantastic and lovely. Wendy Mitchell, Sam Clements, the list goes on. Thank you all so much for having Girls on Film. But thank you again so much to Emma, to Katie, to Sophie and to Daryl for joining us to talk about Leo Grand. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Girls on Film. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Girls on Film. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archibald, audio producer Cam Griffin, intern Grace Delve, and our partners, Sundance London Film Festival. I'm Anna Smith, and I was joined by Emma Thompson, Katie Brand, Sophie Hyde, and Daniel McCormack. Thank you for listening. If you like the pod, check out our past episodes, and please like, subscribe, and tell your friends. Thanks, sisters. What's the oldest person you've ever done it with? 82. 82? Yeah. 82? Nancy. Okay, I'm feeling a bit better now. 